It is your classic metal show right here on the classicmetalshow.com. Uh, that is something brand new from a band called The Loyal Order. And uh, the name of the tune there is called Ready for Dead. And on the phone, we have uh, Jeff Buner from The Loyal Order, and we bow to his greatness. Welcome, welcome to the Classic Metal Show there, Jeff. How are you doing, man? We're good, man. Uh, glad to have you on the show. Uh, I've been uh, told a little bit about your band. I guess you're... Uh, out there trying to make it and break it in this world of, of hard rock and metal. And uh, yeah. we, as we all know, uh, in this day and age, in the di- digital age anyway, and without a lot of support from any kind of record label or commercial support or, you know, uh, independent bands uh, have a tough go at trying to uh, make a name for themselves. Yes, yes, it is tough out there, you know, and especially in the, today's climate, you know, it's, it's uh you know you kind of gotta you kind of gotta independently get things moving and and uh, let the energy grow and and uh, I've been really fortunate to have guys like Tom Hazart and David Ellison uh, you know helping us out too you know so those guys are amazing and you know via their connects and, and their network and everything and plugging into their expertise and talents and all the things that they have man it's just they've been uh, they've been great for us sure. Well, well, Jeff, you're, you know, you're a bassist and, and, uh, you know, obviously, uh, one of the things that, uh, you know, from what I understand, uh, you haven't, uh, tried your hand at was being a lead vocalist as well, but apparently in this project here, uh, you've sort of, uh, branched out here to become a vocalist as well as the bassist and songwriter and, uh, kind of like the like the whole man, uh, one man band in a way, sort of like a Dave, <laughs> kind of a Dave Mustaine kind of guy. Yeah, man. Well, I'm actually not playing bass in the Loyal Order, though I tracked several of the songs on bass. But yeah, by trade, I've been a bass player for many, many years, and uh, this project kind of came about by I was uh, um, I got called by a, a friend of mine, um, actually a, a friend of a friend gave me a call and wanted me to write a song for, uh, 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 they needed a theme song for a reality hunting show and they wanted it to be hard rock. And, uh, I said, I'll be happy to do it. And so I called my guitarist, Brandon Cook. And, uh, I said, Hey man, I need a heavy riff. Uh, he was like, how fast? I said, as soon as possible, we're going to write a song for a theme, uh, theme song for a reality show. And a couple of days later, he's like, I think I got the right thing, you know. And we ended up writing this song called Off the Grid, Superhuman. And uh, went in to track the music, you know, just demo it out to see if the guy liked the direction we were going with it. And uh, I wrote a bunch of lyrics, and, and I thought, well, I'll just go in and lay a scratch vocal track. And uh, I did. And the producer was like, why don't you just do it? And I'm like, no, I mean, you know, I got... You know, I want to try a few different singers. He's like, I don't think you should. That's awesome. And I'm like, really, huh? <laughs> I'm like, well, okay, let's try it. So I did it, and it turned out pretty good. And uh, ended up being the theme song. Our first song was on a reality show in the kind of the region. Uh, on uh, It was a Comcast tra- Trailblazer channel. And uh, it, it aired for two seasons. So people were like, you should do that more. And, uh, 
lo and behold, we started tracking songs and just a little bit at a time, you know, and uh, now we have an, an album put together and uh, we kind of sped up as the process moved along because I was, you know, still going, I, I, you know, I don't know if I can do that, you know, I mean, I can sing, but I didn't know I could be the front guy. And uh, anyway, turned out that that's what I'm doing and I'm loving it. It's great. The response has been super good. I mean, we were, the rate, things are going good at radio too. So we've already got some stuff going on at Billboard and it's cool. It's a great, great start. Right. Well, what what is your claim to fame where someone would call upon you to, to write a song? I mean, uh, what, what is your background to where, you know, you, you've got yourself a reputation to where someone could call on you to uh, pen, you know, some lyrics or, or a song for, you know, for, for a TV show. Why, why are you known? How, how do people know you in that, in that realm? Well, I've been around the Pacific Northwest for, you know, pretty much through my whole life. And, um, a lot of people know what I do around here. And I've played with a, quite a few bands around here. I played bass in the band in the early 2000s with a band called Dragon, the Dragonflies. And we had some really good, uh, success with college radio and had a song on uh, a new line cinema movie called sugar and spice. And, uh, I kind of was instrumental in, in getting the song on the trauma records soundtrack for that. So that was pretty cool. I kind of made the deal happen and then, uh, moved on. I was in a band called the Russian brides for quite a while. And, you know, the recording of that and the writing helped a lot with that had some amazing writers in that band too. Um, but, uh, this, this kind of came about through, uh, a guy, who, a guy named Anthony Gaynor, who shot a music video for the Russian brides. And from there, the, he was friends with the person that was doing this other show. And he said, you should call Buna and, and do this, you know? And then I, of course, connected with all the producers around here and, and, uh, you know, those, and all the musicians that we would need for that. And that's just kind of how it happened. Sure, absolutely. Now, being from the Upper Northwest, I mean, obviously, one of the biggest claim to fames to that area as far as uh, the music scene is concerned is the cliche Nirvana. But, uh, yes, but But as so many people know, prior to Nirvana, you know, they, they were rich in a music scene with uh, bands like Heart and obviously Queensryche was from there and Black and yeah. Blue and you know, yeah. some of the more classic bands from were from that yeah. area. Does it bother you at all that uh, people go, oh, yeah, uh, Upper Northwest, Nirvana, <laughs> and, yeah. and that's the only thing they know? <laughs> it doesn't really bother me. It's it's nice to educate them a little bit on some of the <laughs> the immense diversity that's come out of, of, of the Northwest. I mean, the grunge thing in Seattle was a movement all in, all in and of itself. I mean, uh, it was very much like the Sunset Strip days, like, you know, how they had that, all that music came came out of Los Angeles at that time, you know. And then, and then boom, here comes the grunge era, and that just lit up like crazy. It ha that happened overnight. I mean, I remember the first time I saw uh, Nevermind, the video, and I, I just, I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> wow, everything just changed tonight, you know. And, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, there's, there's so much, there's so much talent up here. It's ridiculous, you know, and, um, there's a lot of tribute scene around here, you know, uh, 
lot of tribute bands. It's a big, it's a big deal in this area. And, uh, but yeah, I mean, it's just rich with talent and, and, uh, songwriters and, you know, it's, 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 Portland is kind of almost undiscovered in a lot of ways, you know, with certain, you know, with the bigger bands. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, well, you know, as you said, uh, the, the music scene up there is, is very rich. Do you, can you, and, and this includes yourself, obviously, what is it about that area that, uh, is, uh, you know, highly motivative for, for musicians, uh, you know, in, in whether it's Seattle or Portland or just that whole region in itself, what, what is it about the whole music scene up there that, uh, kind of fosters that kind of a atmosphere? You know, that's a really good question. Um, I think that there's, I think there's like when in Seattle, a lot of the grunge stuff was kind of, you know, kind of, there's like a, it was super cool and everything, but there was a lot of kind of a negative vibe coming off of it, you know? And, uh, but it, you know, I don't really know. It's, it's, I would just say more than anything, it's the culture, the, the climate affects everything, you know? Um, and the, and the, the people that have, you know, found themselves, you know, uh, growing up here or moved here, there's, you know, kind of a, there's an alt, or kind of an artsy culture. You have that part of it. You have the tribute band culture. And the 80s really had a strong impact here. And then in the 2000s, it kind of just almost disappeared when all of the, when all the DJs came out and stuff. It was, the scene died. And all the rock clubs turned into, uh, you know, discos and not discos but you know clubs and uh you know a lot of dj stuff was going on and then everything it suddenly it started to kind of reemerge, and everybody was like hey let's do this when i when i was first here there was a halfway decent uh original scene going on and then that changed when all that happened so i really don't know how to answer your question except for just people's love for music is probably is probably it more than anything else. I know the grunge scene really, really inspired the whole country and the world, actually. But um, in Portland, uh, I think it kind of, when the grunge thing happened, um, you know, Mother Love Bone was playing here, which became Pearl Jam. They would come down and play these little clubs around. And, uh, and there was a band from Seattle called Doctor Unknown that all but just about made it through the door. And, uh, you know, all those, you know, Grunt Truck was Seattle Band, and, you know, obviously Alice in Chains, Soundgarden. But it just impacted the entire region in a great way, you know. Sure. Now, do you have an idea if there's any, why, why the correlation between the music scene up there and the heroin uh, addiction? I mean, because... I would, I would say... That, you know, that kind of came out of the more Seattle than, well, actually, there was a lot of it in Portland, too. I think a lot of it was, you know, some of it, you know, there's not a lot, it rains a lot up here, you know, and it's gray, <laughs> and it's, I think that impacts people, and it, it has, it, you know, depression is a pretty strong thing. It's like, like where Cobain was from, Oakleham, Aberdeen, it rains there, like, every day. If it doesn't rain, everybody's surprised, you know? So I think there's that. And then the economy going up and down and people get depressed. And, you know, I think a lot of that, it comes in that door, you know, and, you know, people grow up and, 
you know, shacks, you know, and, <laughs> and it just kind of, I think it just kind of becomes that, but that's a great question too, man. Uh, you know, it's, it's there. It's an escape. Yeah, I guess so. Now, you know, I, I will, we'll come back around to your project here, but I'm always curious about that, uh, environment, uh, up there as far as the, uh, you know, what, what spawned out of there. And, uh, we've talked about this on the classic metal show. And, and since you touched on it about the whole grunge scene, whether, whether it's a sound garden or Pearl jam or Nirvana or, or, um, stone temple pilots, all, all the main leaders of that whole grunge era. Isn't it odd that every, uh, front man aside from Eddie Vedder wound up dead? I, dude, it's, it's almost scary. <laughs> it's scary. I mean, it's, yeah, it's, it's very strange and it, and it's very sad too. I mean, we're talking Kurt Cobain was a change agent, man. I mean, he was like, he, he, he changed everything. Well, like I said, overnight and, and Chris Cornell is, I mean, my God, that guy, I, I mean, where do you start with him? Right. I mean, cause he was just amazing in every way. And then what he did was moved on to do with, you know, audio slave and all the stuff he did with those guys and, yeah, I'm a huge, huge Cornell fan. <clears throat> well, when and Lane, Lane, Lane Staley too. Can't yep. forget him. Yeah, another just, uh, just top shelf talent. You know, and you know the heroin just kind of got into the, got into the, got into their culture, and and they experimented with it, and it became a problem, a big problem. You know. Sure. Absolutely. Now, when it mm-hmm. comes when it comes to your career, as far as you know, uh, launching uh, a band and you know trying to quote unquote make it in the music scene, what, what's <laughs> what's left for a, a new band? You know, what what what's left out there? I mean, because obviously the days of the big uh, record deals are over. Uh, most most artists these days are self financed, or if they do get some financing, it's usually on a very shoestring budget. Uh, the mar- the yeah. mar- the marketing is e- done through social media, which for the most part, aside from the time and effort, it really doesn't cost anything to go out on a Facebook or a Twitter or, you know, an mm-hmm. Instagram or anything. What, what is it? What's in it in the end for an artist to go out there? I mean, is there any monetary gain or the hope for monetary gain by doing this or does anybody do this anymore for more or less the the passion or or the love or an outlet to to do something like this? I, well, first of all, I know that if I didn't play music, I'd be in sad shape. It's it's you know it's been the love of my life. I mean you know I mean I mean I look at I look at kids when I was a uh, pictures of me when I was a kid and I had to have a guitar in my hand all the time. I didn't know why, <laughs> but I grew up. Uh, I grew up with uh, my brothers, you know, playing, trying to play and finish songs. Uh, Johnny Cash song, you know, Western stuff, country Western stuff. And, uh, but as far as, you know, the the entire industry has changed, obviously. And, uh, you know, with the streaming and stuff like that, the money's different. But I think that's kind of taken a, a turn and that's coming back a little bit, you know. I think that the money's coming a little bit more there, but it's never really about the money, you know, uh, do it for free until they have to pay you for it. Right. Right. But, but, um, I think, I mean, 
for example, our our producer, his name is Rob Dicker. He's a producer for a band called Royal Bliss, the Dan Reed Network. Um, he's done some good stuff, and he's an incredible musician and songwriter, and uh, he's done a lot of his own independent stuff. Um, he's, yeah, I mean, one of his he had, he did a video called All for a Kiss, which is a kind of a a ballady kind of fifties sounding thing with a really cool pop melody. And he's got a couple million views on his, on his video that he put out. But guys like that, you know, having guys like that, like back in the eighties and stuff like that, the, the producers, they, they made big money producing a record, especially if it had a name. Um, and now with digital technology, Pretty much anybody can record a record on their laptop, which we didn't do. We wanted to take it to another level. And sure, you scratch out song ideas on a laptop or whatever, but then you take it to a, a, a real producer like Rob or whoever. It could be, you know, could be Rick Rubin. But you take that, and then if they take the project on, they put their life into it as well. And then the, even though the money's different, it doesn't cost as much to do what they used to do, in a way. Um, you can put, you can have a finished product sooner, and it's not pre-canned. You know, it's not a pre-canned project that product that that uh, say a record label told you to be uh, sound like, told you to sound like, told you to be, told you to look a certain way. You know, um, so artistic expression in 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 a digital format kind of in today's world, the cream kind of floats to the top. Right. You know, and if it's good, people will listen. They will play it on the radio. I mean, I woke up today and we were the, uh, I had a, a text from uh, Tom Hazard. And he's just like blown away. And like, we're the number four most added band this week in uh, active rock. You know, and I just was like, wow, we're like we're, you know, right by Trivium and Five Finger Death Punch and stuff like that, and I'm just blown away by that. And um, I think I think basically what's out there is, it, you know, you have to look at music now, recorded music. Yeah, you get your streams and you get your downloads and the sales from that, and that can turn into, um, you know, to be a financially rewarding situation. But um, the concert tickets and the t-shirts and all that. I always joke about, yeah, we're just selling t-shirts, you know, because that's where a lot of the money comes from, right? If you can, if you can sell a million t-shirts, you're doing pretty good. Yeah. So, you know, so you kind of have, it's just a different business model, I would say, than it used to be. You kind of, you kind of can't look at the old model and, and say so you can't make money with it. You just have to look at the model from a different angle. And so recorded music now is basically an advertisement, you know, for for a T-shirt or a concert ticket. And if somebody downloads it, great, you know. Uh, somebody downloads your record, which ours is coming out very soon. Uh, I think we're going to do a pre-sale on the album next month. And it's, it's all mastered and done now, so. Um, but... Uh, yeah, that's kind of how I look at it, you know. I mean, you can get what you can out of digital downloads. And, and, uh, and you know, like our video, is you can download our video on uh, on iTunes for Ready for Dead. 
I don't know if you've seen that. Have you seen it? I have. I have. Yeah. Yeah, so you can actually go on to iTunes and help a band out by downloading their video for a couple bucks, you know? Do that 100,000 times. You know what I mean? It turns into money if you have the right approach and the right attitude about it. Sure. If you're trying to, if you're trying to make people download stuff, they're not going to do it. Right. You know? Right. Well, it's you know, just, it's, just, it's all in the business model is all it is. Sure it is. Well, you brought up a good point there about, uh, you know, how you approach it and the business model and whatnot. What, what makes a band today, a, a new band, an upstart, you know, an unknown, uh, what, what makes you rise to the top as you put it? What, what, uh, what separates you from the other, you know, hundred thousand bands out there who are putting their music out there on YouTube or on Spotify or, or, you know, uh, trying distributing it through social media platforms. What, what causes someone to say, pick your band, uh, out of all the many that they could possibly, uh, stumble across? Well, I would say, first of all, it starts with a product. It has to be a sincere product. People can, uh, people smell sincerity and authenticity and, and good songwriting, you know, and if you can, if you can, if you can formulate a song and musically paint a vibe for people to be in and then lyrically invite them into the lyrics and have the song be about them somehow or some way and have it become their song, so to speak, which is what I always strive for. I mean, I strive to connect always. I don't, I don't strive to tell somebody what a song is. I strive to have them connect with the song. And if I've done that, I've, I've had a good day at work. So I think it starts with the product more than anything. And once you have a good product, and you network and you meet people in the industry that uh, that can fit into your format and have it make a difference, um, that's that's great. Like, you know, I met Tom Hazard about three years ago. Just introduced myself, said hi to him. We had chatted for a few minutes, and we were at a Megadeth listening party to one of their new records. And, uh, you know, we chatted for a second, and then... Somehow I ran across him again, and then I reached out to him and I said, "Hey, it was right when we had finished the single that you guys have been hearing called Ready for Dead." And I said, "Hey, man, I just did a video for this song. Would you at least take a look at it, and then we can talk business if you're interested?" And he goes, "Sure." I sent it to him, and he got right back to me. He's like, "Hell yeah, let's talk." And so, yeah, through EMP Label Group and working with Tom and David, um, they've you know, through their already established network of, of uh, people in the business, they invited us in, and off we go. And that's kind of how it all happens, you know. Just But it starts with a solid product, good, sincere songwriting, authenticity, great production. Got to have good production for the most part, um, unless you're going for a lo-fi type of thing, which is done well at times, too. Whatever your production style happens to be and have that fit your the songs that you're doing, that's everything. You know? And then and then it just takes a little bit of uh having a business head and having some ingenuity and connections and putting the puzzle together. Sure. 
Well, uh, outside of this uh, coronavirus pandemic that swept this country, it, so- <laughs> it sounds as if you guys Horrible. were probably uh, poised to, you know, get out there on the road and, and play this summer. But as we all know, that that's kind of, uh, you know, put on hiatus for a little bit. What did you have in mind or did you have any plans uh, lined up for this summer uh, as far as, you know, getting on some kind of a package tour or you know, having some well, dates lined up or anything like that? Yeah, obviously that definitely was the idea. I mean, I talked with some people at the NAM show, you know, some, uh, Tom was, I was with Tom down at the NAM show and I actually was playing with, uh, I don't know if you know who Delana is, uh, the singer from South Africa that now lives in Holland. Um, I was playing, I did some stuff at, at the NAM show with her. She's amazing. One of these greatest singers I've ever known. That's for sure. Um, she was on Rockstar Supernova. I don't know if you remember that show. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, so I was playing with her, and then I ran into Tom. And uh, I also play bass with Rough Cut, too. I don't know if you know that or not. But. I wasn't aware, but uh, I know Paul Shortino, so. Yeah, Paul's not in this version, though. It's the, it's it's David Alford, the drummer, and Chris from uh, from the original version. Okay. So, and, and um, yeah, and so we put that together, and we're going to do some dates with those guys, too. But um, as far as the Loyal Order goes, we were just poised to, we were poised to do our album release here locally, and Tom and I were ideating on that very subject when, when all this hit, and we're like, uh, we should probably just hit pause on this and focus on you know, really putting the putting the music out there for till we figure out what's going on here. But yeah, we were talking about doing that, and we were you know figuring out which bands we or which you know dates we can play, what what leg of what tour with some other people. And uh, yeah, it didn't it didn't. <laughs> we were just in formulation phase when this all started. So. Sure. Yeah, so it's kind of a drag, but you know, everybody's got to be healthy and stay safe and and do all that stuff that they need to be doing right now. And so I've just been utilizing the time to, you know, uh, promote as much as I can with this, with the radio and with our video and, and try to get some downloads moving and, and, uh, you know, get feedback and see what it looks like and how well it's being received. Sure. Absolutely. Well, you got the time to do that, obviously, and and uh, everybody's everybody's kind of stuck at home looking for things to do, and uh, you know, probably the internet is their biggest friend or their biggest ally as far as filling time if they don't have anything uh, going on on a daily basis. So this is a perfect time to uh, discover the loyal order. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yeah, and and you can find us on Facebook, the Loyal Order. You can find us on theloyalorder.com, and you can find our video and our single, Ready for Dead, on iTunes, and you can download it there. Just, you know, play it, whatever you want to do, and just, uh, that's where we're at. Right. Well, until this, uh, you know, pandemic goes by and and things can start uh, opening up and getting back to normal, uh what is your plan, you know, once things uh, are, you're able to get out there, what is your plan? I mean, do you plan on doing a lot of touring or just kind of like weekend stuff or, or just play, you know, if, if, and when the opportunity happens or do you, do you have an idea of what you might be able to do uh, once things start to, 
you know, getting back to normal? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I mean, we're looking at winter now, right? I mean, by the time this, by the time anybody feels really safe to go to a rock and roll show, <laughs> um, it's going to be winter and, or spring. So, I mean, you know, mapping that out in the near future is a very important thing. We did take a show uh, in Portland, Oregon here. Uh, do you remember the band, the band Loudness? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we're going to play with those guys, um, direct support with those guys at the Boston Nova Ballroom in Portland, Oregon in November, November 13th, I believe it is. And, uh, you know, at that point, hopefully the sky will part it a little bit for all of us <laughs> and we'll have some things in the works at that time, you know. Um, I think it's an opportunity, you know. I think it's an opportunity to get in there and, you know, do some uh, touring the Midwest in the dead of winter probably isn't the greatest of ideas, <laughs> but um, <laughs> up in the north, you know, uh, my family's from Minnesota, so I know. Uh, but yeah, so that's uh, that's you know just getting you know connecting all the dots again, and you know getting the booking agent working on stuff as soon as we can, you know, see when the most probable time is that will be effective, you know. So, you know, we're going to release our record over the summer and and we'll start working on it. You know, we'll get the dates put together and find the right bands to, to work with. The bigger the better, right? And uh, just go from there. Sure, absolutely. All right. Mm -hmm. Well, if you're uh, stuck at home and, and you don't have anything to do, uh, why don't you jump online there and go check out uh, The Loyal Order. They do have a music video out there on YouTube that you can go check them out as well called Ready for Dead. And, uh, you know, looking forward to some more releases uh, as the time yep. as the time uh, grows uh, closer uh, so we can yep. hear some more of them. So, who is yep. one of your uh, biggest musical influences, uh, uh, Jeff? Oh wow! I mean, uh, singing wise, Chris Cornell, man, he's he's the he's the way. And uh, as far as bass players go, um, Steve Harris, Myard Maiden, love his playing, always have. And uh, anybody from that realm, you know, that really made a difference. You know, Kurt Cobain, obviously. Um, Duff, Duff McKagan, guys. he's from up in that area. Yeah, Duff is amazing, you know. Duff is Duff is uh, a great a bass player and guitar player. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think he was a guitar player first. Um, yeah, and also you can see our video on uh, Facebook. It's got 207,000 views, I think, now on that platform. So it's done pretty well there. But uh, once again, though, if you want to you grab a video and Download our video on iTunes. It's there, too. Sure, absolutely. All right, very cool, Jeff. Well, is there anything else you want to tell the Classic Metal Show fans? I just appreciate every speech and every single one of you, and thank you for listening, and uh, I appreciate you and your time. And uh, looking forward to uh, seeing you guys out on the road and talking to you more, too. So Perfect. That's what I, yeah, we're looking forward. All right. Well, we uh, obviously at the beginning of the interview here, we played your your uh, first single here, Ready for Dead. Is there something you'd like us to uh, play for you to take us out of the interview? Maybe somebody that uh, has influenced you, a band, uh, you know, a singer, uh, artist of any kind that, uh, you know, kind of would be representative of somebody that you look up to? Uh, I played Black Hole Sun. Okay. <laughs> that's, that's, that would be great, man. 
All right, perfect. All right, Jeff. Well, we appreciate you taking some time here on the Classic Metal Show. Go check them out. They are called The Loyal Order, and uh, they've got a debut release coming your way very, very soon. And, you know, once things get back to normal, perhaps you'll catch them out on the road. So, uh, well, for Jeff, we're going to play something from the uh, Northwest area, some uh, Soundgarden. And, uh, well, here it is. It's Soundgarden with Black Hole Sun exclusively here on your classic metal show. <laughs> 